Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Show, a pregame.com podcast. This is segment one of six. Now, please note, if you're listening on iTunes, we're doing the podcast in reverse order. We're going to do the Thursday games at the back of the podcast. So this way, if you're listening later in the week, you don't have to listen to something that already went off. So whenever you get to the part of the podcast where we're already talking about a game that might have went, you can just stop listening. Or if you love to hear VR and myself, especially when we argue about Pitt Oakland, (laughs) you know, you can continue to listen. Now, this is the first segment, and we're going to take a look at handicapping the NCAA tournament. And We're going to call this series, our continuing series of Watch, Learn, and Earn videos, where we break things down, teach you how to handicap, and not only, you know, you're going to get free picks from us like we always do in our podcast, but we teach you how you can get some winners for yourselves. That's what we're here all about. I'm Marco D'Angelo. He's Vegas Runner, and we're coming to you live from Las Vegas at the pregame.com studio. VR, it is the big dance time. The big one. Everyone waits all year for this. This is probably, next to the Super Bowl, the single most exciting week in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Everybody comes to town for that opening weekend. First four days. Sure. You, you're right. You go from 64 teams on to Thursday Sweet to Sweet 16 at the end of Sunday. Power-packed basketball from morning oh, to yeah, night. Yeah. The the sports books just go crazy, and then real. I mean, like next week it won't be anything like that. No, then the final four. Gets then it gets busy again. Mm-hmm. Final four. Now, last week we talked about handicapping conference, conference tournaments, and folks, if you didn't watch those videos last week, I don't know what I can say. We were on point. Absolutely. I mean, the things we talked about, momentums, it just, they were money makers last week. And all those concepts came to fruition, I'll tell you that much. They did. I used them and I had a winning conference tournament because of it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's, we've done this for so long. It's the same over and over. You're right. I have a saying, you know why history repeats itself? Because nobody listens the first time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Let's start first off. Handicapping the NCAA tournaments, one thing that's different as opposed to the conference tournaments, half the teams in the big dance are going to be coming off a loss. Yeah. Okay? Because only 34 teams got automatic, you know, the automatic bids from winning their conference tournament, which means everybody else lost the game before they come to the thing. So you have that bounce-back mentality that you have to handicap a team coming off a a loss. loss. Um, The other thing that, you know, one of the things that I like to look at is in the NCAA, this is something that teams at the beginning of the year, I mean, this is the goal. You want to get to the big dance. There are going to be teams every year that this is either going to be the first time they made it or what I say, first time in a a long time. And I say I put the long time as five years. And the reason I use five years, because if you've got a five-year window, that means no player on this 
has quarantine gone there. Yeah. has gone there. So you know, and I think that it's a it's a big factor to look at because um, sometimes just getting here is enough for teams. I mean, everybody wants to go on and win, but realistically, for some, it's their season goal. For right. for teams, your, your top tier teams, they don't just want to be here. They know they're getting in from the beginning of the season. They're in the top 20. They know they're getting in. So uh, their yeah. goal is a little different. North Carolina might have missed the memo. Yeah, but <laughs> for a lot of teams, they already know. Yeah. I mean, your Kansases, your, your, your teams like that, their goal isn't to get in. And it isn't even the Sweet 16. You know, I like to classify and isolate them as Final Four ready, you know, Sweet 16 ready, and happy to be here ready. You know what I mean? I think it's those three tiers that teams get to. Like, they're the, they're the next step. Like, all right, we won a first-round game or we won a second-round game. You know, we, we didn't win a second-round game, excuse me. So their next goal is Sweet 16. Right. Then after that, it becomes Final Four. And if you're lucky, you go to the Final Four enough like a UCLA, and it's a goal is then win a championship. Mm-hmm. So I think you could, you could definitely isolate teams under those three. No, what I, what I do is I have a long checklist of different things that I like to look at. And I'm going to run through some of them, and we can just, you know, kind of quickly spar on them or so forth and move on. Um, we're at the halfway point of the of the podcast already, so we'll try to keep it brief on each point. Um, I think veteran coaches have an advantage in this tournament, especially game two. The you know whenever they play, like this week or next week, the first game you got a whole week to prepare for it. You know, the coaches can get themselves set, game plan, blah, blah, blah. But then when you play the Thursday game and you have to come Saturday. back Saturday, you've got a one-day turnaround to prepare for a team. It's not like the conference tournament where you, you play a team twice. twice. Yeah, yeah. You're playing a team you've never played before. Yeah. So now In an I arena you've never played at. Exactly. It's a veteran coach, I think, has an advantage. And they have did this. They've done it before. They know how to prepare for that second game. I, I, that's one thing that I take note of. Um, another thing is I look at how the teams got here. Did the team get here at an at-large bid or did they get here going through a grueling conference tournament, four games, four days, a war. They won their way in, and a lot of people get excited about that. But a lot of times... It took you, too much out of you. You took too... The, the tank's empty and when you find... And there's not enough recuperation time between Saturday, Sunday, and Thursday. I mean, let's tell it like it is. Because you have to game plan. You know who you're playing. You have to practice. So it's not like they have three days off to say, you go to sleep, you rest your body, you rejuvenate. I mean, they're right back at it and they're at work right after right. Selection Sunday. The other thing is, how big was the game that the, if they came in from winning their conference tournament? How big was that? That game were they did they do what they were supposed to do were they the favorite to win right, the conference right. like tournament? Butler you know were they the regular season champ and the, right. the tournament champ or was it a case like in the perfect example of this is this year St. Mary's and Gonzaga right Gonzaga dominated dominated the conference beat them they twice during the regular season St. Mary's was great against everybody except they couldn't get over Gonzaga then they get to the conference tournament and they upset Gonzaga did that take too much out of a St. Mary's team yeah. beating that team that, yeah. they, that beat them twice during the regular season so that's another angle that, you know that I like to look at um, another thing is does a team have something to prove? Did they come in slighted as 
a seed right. because of maybe losing the conference tournament and they their stock fell, you know, because of one or two games when they should have been, you know, a lot higher. Those teams that play with chips on their shoulder, you you know you get a focused effort. And I know, and it's something that me and RJ always argue about, he says, teams should be focused all the time. They're not. Some teams have more to prove than another team. They're, they just come to work with their head down. Well, yeah, right now, yeah, that's what you're discussing a lot of the, the motivation. You right. know, I mean, the motivational angle of, of handicapping. And I think in the tournament, that is huge. You know, that's definitely one of the factors you have to consider. But then a couple of the other things you got to look at, too, and we talked about it with some of the matchups we broke down, is the layoff. Mm-hmm. The layoff factor. Some teams' tournaments ended early. Even some of the good teams that didn't get far. Your Syracuse's who got you know outed early in their tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so their layoffs a little different, and they're not used to that. Then I also I definitely look at t- travel. A lot of these teams that are going from East Coast to West Coast, they never had to do that during the season. Right. A team that's in the American <laughs> Conference, you know, that the little a little conference that takes a bus to their games all of a sudden is being asked to go three time zones right. and, and go cross-country. These are college kids. I, I bet you nine out of ten don't have a passport, you know, and never <laughs> left their state. So, I mean, you know, there, there are angles you, you, and factors you definitely need to consider when handicapping the, the March Madness, unlike any other part of the college basketball and, season. Uh, we're, we're less than a minute. One last angle, opposite styles. Oh team, yeah. yeah! If you get a team tempo and defense right. for sure. When, remember this is a rule of thumb: when two teams play the same type of tempo, almost always the team with the better athletes is going to yeah, dominate. Yeah, the superior but team. But when for you sure. have contrary styles, an inferior team can disrupt. Oh, absolutely! A, a team, a better team. Yeah, you, you so got to isolate watch, tempo for sure. Watch those different, you know, styles of teams, and you know, take all the information you can get. Watch with your eyes. Watch these teams that play Thursday, come back Saturday, Friday to Sunday. See how much they struggled on the Thursday game. If it was an easy game, if they were in a dogfight, and sometimes those dogfight games really toughen a team up for the next. Yeah, game. and if they're playing the same type of defense, sometimes you're yeah. playing the man to man. Back to back. We're out. We're out of time. You can guys. talk forever and we not cover everything. Check out all our videos at pregame.tv. This is Marco D'Angelo. He's Vegas Runner. We'll be back with another video in a moment. This is segment two of six. We're going to break down a Friday game: Oakland and Pitt in uh, the NCAA tournament. This game goes at 2.55 Eastern Time on Friday, live from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. VR, as we always do, tell me the numbers. All right, this one is, oh yeah, it is in Wisconsin. You're absolutely right. It opened up Pitt as a 10.5 point favorite with a total of 135. Uh, Right now it's sitting at Pitt minus 10. Total dipped a half point as well to 134.5. So nothing significant as far as line moves go. Okay, well obviously um, Pitt being my old former stomping ground, so I'll have a few opinions on this game. Um, I actually don't have an official play on this game, uh, but Rumor has it that this is your yeah. This is my free pick. This is the free pick for the week. 
All right. And uh, you're not going to like it. Even before we went on camera, we argued a little bit uh, because of a statement I made. Well, go ahead and make it. Okay. <laughs> I, I made my true line on this game eight, and I thought I was being extremely generous, and I was giving a lot more credit to Pitt than I think they deserve. Um, truth is, this team went to the Elite Eight last year, and they set a school record for wins, 31. Um, but... Four starters from that team are lost. And as much as I keep hearing about how great Jamie Dixon is as a coach, the truth of the matter is he inherited a rebuilt program from Ben Hallen. And all he did was continue what Hallen had already done but did not improve on anything. If anything... Now that those four starters are gone, which Halland recruited, they've taken a step back. And they have seven less wins this year. So I really like Oakland. This is a team that last year they got to the second round of the CIT tournament. Nothing major, but they did beat Kent in game number one. And the what I like about them is they had an extremely difficult non-conference schedule. 15th toughest in the entire nation. And they play a quick tempo game, something Pitt does not like at all. And you expect the more dominant, superior team to dictate tempo. But I think Oakland's going to have some fun at Pitt's expense. And they're going to get the cover. And to be honest with you, Pitt will get lucky. To advance, this may be a bracket buster. Let's put it that way. But I'll even put Pitt as advancing. I won't go as far as saying money line this bad boy. Mm -hmm. But grab the points with Oakland. Okay, I let you go three and a half minutes. <laughs> I you. gave you enough rope. You're biting your tongue. I gave you enough rope to hang yourself. <laughs> okay. Now I'm not going to argue with your pick on taking Oakland with the points okay. because uh, you know Pitt. A lot of times, plays they, down they, to the they, level they of the competition. The yeah, they but, do. But I love you dearly. You, you know, you're you're like a brother to me. You're actually, in a, you know, we're almost a month away. You're going to be my best man. Absolutely. But I got to tell you, were you smoking at lunch or something, or drinking when we went? And I didn't see you because what you just said was just. I, I, I can't even begin to start with. First of all, yeah, you're correct. He took Pitt to the Elite Eight with Ben Howland's players. Okay, first off, Ben Howland. He didn't bring them in. They were, listen, he's been six years. He broke the record for getting the most wins in the only six years. So I give him that. Okay. But he did that with a Howland recruited team. Okay, and here's the two things that's going to blow you out of the water with your statement that, you know, thank Inherited. Mr. Ben Howland. Inherited. Inherited Ben. Okay, first of all, Ben Howland never got past the Sweet 16. Jamie Dixon is the first guy to get the Pitt program past the Sweet 16. Easy second to do when you got the horses. Okay, second of all, now this year, these are all Jamie Dixon recruits. And look where they're at. They're a top 25 team. They're a top 25 team. They were in the top 10 all year. They were in the top 5 at one point. And let me ask you this. They were on the bottom of almost everybody's Big East projections true, because they true, lost everybody. True, true. They did. They did. This team has played above expectations true. this year. And I want to ask a little question. Ben Holland, where did he go? 
I think it's a team called UCLA. Yeah. Uh, and they were 13 and 17 this year? This year. Okay. This yeah. year. Well, this is the same year that Ben Howland and, and Jamie Dixon inherited two different programs. Listen. I think Jamie here's, Dixon showed. Here's he where I coach. think he gets too much credit, okay? <laughs> the last two losses for this Pitt team were to Notre Dame. They were. Okay. You should be able to bounce back the second time you meet Notre Dame and game plan well enough to beat them. So wait, what that tells me is this. If, and this is what I talked about with that with um, uh, Millman, okay? Mm-hmm. Bottom line is this. If he is as good of a coach as everyone says, then I like Oakland even more because what that means is they can't execute his game plan because if he's that good he would have put together a game plan to beat Notre Dame the second time they faced them since it was so close apart and what that tells me is these players just don't get his system yet or aren't mature enough to play in it yet you you hit one nail on the head this is a young ball club and last week I used Notre Dame in the I remember remember. and we did a podcast last week about how to handicap conference tournaments and one of the things was momentum True. and there was a huge advantage for Notre Dame they already played a game in the Big East tournament Pitt had a bye so you had this young team that came out and had to play at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament on Friday with not that buffer game you know under the belt, the butterflies out of the system. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I had Notre Dame. And Notre Dame changed it up and brought that game to an absolute crawl. Yeah, the yeah, score yeah. was 50-45. to 45. Yeah. They frustrated Pitt and Pitt got behind early and had to play catch-up that whole game and they played that slowdown. The fast tempo I feel was actually going to be an advantage for Pitt. Pitt is a great rebounding team. They move the ball up and down the floor. Oakland better score on the first shot because they're not going to get a lot of second shots in this game. Uh, They're going to have a a, a height advantage in this game. I know Pitt's more physical. Yeah, you're right. And they pound the glass. I agree with you 100%. But if Oakland brings the right game plan and you're right, is able to score, get the ball inside because it used that height score and not try to beat them from the outside because you're right they're not going to get second third and fourth opportunities so if they bring the kind of game plan where they do run it a little but they use the post and they get it inside and they try to make some easy basket five six seven feet from the rim i think they could create some problems and keep it close if they do what 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 you just said and, and think because they do have that height advantage that they could take some more outside shots and not work it inside, then you're right. Pitt's going to eat them alive because they're too physical for them. So I agree there. But I think Oakland's they're going to play the right kind of game. I think they could keep it within double digits, to be honest with you. Again, I'm not disagreeing with your play. I have no play. Right, right. I'm just going to point out, we're running up against the clock here. we got about a minute. One thing I want to point out, this Oakland team, this is the first time that they're going to be in this position. Last year, they went to the championship game of their conference, conference yeah, and they were right on the cusp of getting here. Yep. Their big goal this year was here was yeah. getting over that hump. Sometimes that is the goal, and, and it's right. enough. And I think for this team, it was the goal to get here. And because there were four starters from that team, this was their goal. This year, we're going to win the conference. We're going to get to the, the big dance. And usually, those teams already celebrate it. And I agree there, but. 
because this is a double-digit line, right. I think that they're talented enough to stay within the number. That's why you know I'm picking on you by saying they'll be lucky to advance. Yes. I'm not going to have Oakland anywhere past this round on my bracket. No, but no. I, I do believe they're going to keep it close. And because of that, we may get some value on Pitt in the second in the round, round by having a team by. like this. If they squeak exactly, by. Right. Exactly. All right, I got to wrap it up. His official free pick is to take Oakland. No play for me on this game. And Jamie Dixon is one hell of a coach. Now, <laughs> you can watch all of our videos at pregame.tv. And remember, pick the final score of this game. Pit on top, and you'll be able, <laughs> you, if you pick it correctly, you get a hundred free game dollars. I'll throw an extra hundred. You get two this time <laughs> to spend any way you want. And of course, you can always download and listen. Go to iTunes and just hit pregame.com. Search for pregame.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another video. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. This is segment three of six, big game preview. We're going to look at a Friday big dance game. It's Louisville and California. Vegas Runner hit me up with the numbers. Live from Jacksonville, Florida. Cal opened up as a one and a half point favorite. Finally put out a total at 150. As of today, the favorite has flip-flopped. Louisville is now a one-point favorite. Total's obviously still the same. So this is a pick em game, more or less. I could see the wise guys trying to get plus one and a half or better on both sides if the Louisville money starts coming in and it goes up a little bit. Absolutely. You know, sit there and root for a one-point game. You don't care who. Yeah, and if it goes to two, you got two on one side plus one and a half on the other. There's worse bets than that. Absolutely. Well, but... This is going to actually be my free pick and uh, free picks here on the show. Uh, my free picks, 19 and 10. Vegas Runner, a smoking 17 and 7 with free picks. Uh, we've been getting the job done with the free picks. But before we get to my free pick, so I don't forget, I like doing it. You, you don't like want to forget it? this part. No, this is your want, favorite part. We want to give RJ's money away. I mean, you know, what's better than that? Well, I guess I could give. Watch. I guess I could give your money away. No, no, no. His is fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're gonna give RJ's money away. Here's the deal: ten dollar coupon. You can use it however you want. Go to pregamepros.com. Check out all of our red hot cappers. We've got any. You can check out Vegas Runner. You can check out me, Mike Hook. Great run in the tournaments. Dan Beebe. Dan Beebe in the NBA. The Zach baby Lawson. There's just it doesn't stop. It's on and you on. Know, check it out. $10 coupon. What time is it? It's big dance time. So let's make the coupon. Dance and shoes are on. They're on? Okay. Big dance 10. All one word. Big dance, the number 10. That's going to get you 10 bucks. Put it, just load it up in the shopping cart. Enter that coupon at checkout, and it'll take $10 off. And you know what? If you buy something... What if I have a pick that I'm selling for $10 that day? You're too cheap to sell something for $10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should say you're too cheap. What if someone else that's has a pick for $10? It's free. All right, all okay. in the house. Now, this is your free pick, this, this game. This is my free pick. So you break it down. Give, tell me why, because I'm on the fence. You're tell on me the why fence. I should bet one I'm side gonna over tip the you, other. I'm going to tip you over. First of all, California has a chip on their shoulder, and they got a monster chip on their shoulder. This team won the Pac-10 title, regular season. Yep. 
They lost the Pac-10 conference tournament in the championship game. You don't have to tell me. I had Washington that day. To the team that finished second in the conference. Okay, so no shame. No, but now there's an argument. Who's better? Okay, well, you know, yeah, there's who's better. But here's the thing. Pac-10 is, you know, a major conference. BCS. It's down this year, yes, but it's still a major conference. There's people that think California doesn't even deserve to be here. It's like they are being so disrespected. They won their conference, and they're an eight seed. Eight. Yeah, and and this is a team who played better ball later in the season, which is where you should weigh it most. They came in winning eight of nine games, covering eight of nine games. I liked this game when I saw the line when it opened. Now you got to love it even more. Now you, you got to look and say the public's doing just what I thought they would do. You're getting nobody's giving a three pointer now. Nobody, nobody's giving them a shot. And Louisville, here's a team that has been Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. I mean, down the stretch, California did everything they were supposed to do. Right. They get to the championship game of the tournament and they lose a, a tight game yeah, to Washington. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was back and it forth. Was, there it wasn't was. a blow it could up. either way. In Louisville, they either look very, very good. Beating Syracuse twice. Or very, very bad. Losing to Cincinnati in the first round. Losing to Cincinnati in the first round, which I was on Cincinnati. Yeah, that was my yeah, upset yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, we both had Cincy, but you had a big bet on them, I remember. But this is a team that got blown out early in the year. By Charlotte yeah. on their home floor. Yeah. This is a team that lost on their home floor to Western Carolina yeah. late in the season, went to St. John's, got blown out. They have no personality yet. Marco. And late in the season, went to Marquette and got blown out, scored like 40 some points. You're right. And then come home and beat Syracuse. You're right. I'm trying to figure out if this is just the wise guys trying to get ahead of the market so that they could come back and take a big position on Cal as a dog, which I could tell you from my experience running on that strip, placing bets for these guys, they do that a lot when the game's around one because the public don't bet early. So the only one that moves lines the first 24, 48 hours are the wise guys. So they know that with small amounts of money taken insignificant significant positions, they could manipulate the line any way they want. And they do that time and time again by having us placing small orders on a team like Louisville, getting word out that we're on Louisville when they're doing nothing but sitting back waiting on the other side. So you got to be careful when you see them early moves. They're very important to monitor, but you can't automatically say this is where the sharp money is and this is what they're depending on. Too many times you're going to find yourself cheering for the wrong team. So right now, they're sitting holding tickets of Louisville plus one, plus, plus one, one and a half, plus one, one and one and a half. half. They they got yeah, early, yeah. and let, come uh, you know Friday, yeah, they'll have the position to be. They'll, able. they'll be able to bet California once the public gets involved and exactly. puts their money in. They're gonna they could end up getting plus two on yeah, California because the public's going to take. This is one of them where I'm thinking this might is my what excuse me what they might be doing because what the public's going to see is this Louisville. Patino, Elite Eight last year. Absolutely. They're going to say this is an experienced team. They got to the Elite Eight, but two guys left that team, Clark and Williams, that were first-round draft picks. Three starters, two other starters, 
off that team. So this isn't the Elite Eight team from last year, and they can't play defense. So that's why I was on the fence, because I was confused. I made Cal a two-point favorite in mm-hmm. this game. So I was like, I know my my usually my power ratings are, I'm not going to say they're as sharp as Billy Waters is, but they're pretty... Uh, they're along that. They're more closer to their lines than they are LVSC's lines. Billy Waters lost that way. two million on the Super Bowl. Exactly, so you know. but my lines are going to be closer, more look, reflect those more than they're going to reflect the public perception of LVSC's lines. Right. And this was one of them that just threw me off. That's why I was on the fence. The only thing I don't like about Cal is this: they're flying three time zones. Well, they're playing in Jacksonville, and that's a switch of three time zones. I'm yeah. hoping this is a later afternoon game, at least. The uh, they play this. It's as late as you can get. Nine fifty-five at night. Okay, if it was okay. nine in the morning, I'd be very worried. Okay. So, and plus, they're going to already be there. They're yeah, yeah. Have a couple and you adjust. And it's you not adjust. like in football where you fly the day before. Right, 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 right. They're going to be there. Um, and that was one other thing I was going to bring up, and we got to wrap this one up. The fact that California is even playing at Jacksonville was the final slap, slap in the in face. The face. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they almost said. You're here only because we have to yeah. take you. Dude, almost. Montgomery's a great motivator. What he was able to do with those Stanford Cardinal teams yes. all those years, where a lot of times they shouldn't have gotten as far as they got. Uh, and now he has some talent on this Cal team. Uh, I, you, I think you pushed me in that direction. They had one of the toughest schedules and non-conference schedules in all of basketball, Cal did. And they get no respect at all. Good coach, good team. Versus an overrated team that can't play defense, that's too Jekyll and Hyde for my liking. Cal can't help that the Pac-10 was down this year. Yeah, well, they, they took you don't care play who's in front of you. They took care of business. It's not like they, you know, they were just a couple games yeah. over 500. They won the conference. They took care of business right down the line. Louisville four and seven on the road. Not yeah. even, you know. So and and, and they had you some really bad. Me. You they had some bad me. losses. My free pick for the podcast. We're going to take California on Friday. I look for them to advance to the next round. Take Louisville out. Now you can. Go Go to pregame.tv, watch all of our videos. Be sure when you go there and after you get done watching us, go to the comment section. Tell us what you think the final score of this game is going to be. If you correctly predict the final score exactly, we're going to give you $100. RJ's money. We're going to give you $100 pregame dollars you can use to spend any way you want on the site cost you nothing no obligation just go ahead and put a predicted score in there and the money's yours picture on the house you got it this is segment four of six big game preview we're going to take a look at murray state and vanderbilt on thursday i'm marco d'angelo joined by vegas runner we're going to break this game down as we always do Let's go to the man, Vegas runner. Hit me up with the numbers on this one. Okay, this one got plenty of action. Uh, Vandy opened up a four and a half point favorite. Finally put a total out at 141 and a half. Line today, Vandy minus three. Total still 141 and a half. No one's had time to steam the totals. So all the totals we're going to talk about today, Marco, are pretty much where they opened up. Um, this game moved immediately. Uh, wise guys were waiting to unload on Murray State. Uh, 
and they wasted no time. It got bet at four and a half. It got bet at four. It got bet at three and a half. Now it's down to three. I've actually even seen a couple two and a half. Yeah, yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, because they're, now you're seeing the guys mm-hmm. that get to play late, people that follow wise guy moves, and they're seeing that Murray State's the team they steamed. And what we're seeing is everyone's talking about them on TV. Mm-hmm. They could be the Cinderella team, the possible, you know, Sweet 16, and this is the team no one wants to face. So they're getting a lot of public play I think they're going to end up getting. More importantly and finally is you got to be careful with all that stuff. I mean, because it's already factored into the number. Now, when you're hearing nonstop on TV, everyone talking about a team as a Cinderella team, it's going to get a lot of public play. And what happens is if the wise guys already steamed it and now the public's going to bet it, the value's gone. And I, that's what I'm seeing here. I like Murray State at four and a half. I'm not going to lie. And I know a couple guys that got five. Mm-hmm. But now at three, I, I really think the line's where it should be and the value's gone. Do you think in an, an instance like this where if the wise guys see a number that they feel is wrong um, and they want to take advantage of it and they come in and pound it early and then you get that piggyback effect where, you know, right. the Johnny come lately it says, Ooh, follow the, let's follow the money. It. Yeah, let's follow the money. Yeah. And brings it down a, a tick more. I could see them coming in on come Dandy. To, come back and buying and, and have a, you know, uh, a, a nice middle. Absolutely. I, I, I could see that, Marco. You took the words at it right out of my mouth. And, and that's why you are sharp because you try to look two steps ahead and at the whole picture. And the wise guys aren't necessarily done betting yet. And a lot of the public still hasn't spoken yet. They wait till game day. So this is one of those games that I agree with one you 100%. If the public does go on the smaller school and they don't back the SEC school, which it looks like now, they're not gonna. Um, I mean, the wise guys knew that when this line came out, they were never going to get a higher number. No, than it was. exactly. So you take it, at, you know, and this is something that will give a little bit of a, you a know, preview a, handica- to, yeah. a handicapping lesson inside of this game. When you're dealing with the tournaments, which is going to be so many more right. people playing that normally don't yeah, play, yeah, yeah, guys. So there's going to be year. inflated, you know, pools and action. Sure. It's like the Kentucky Derby and horse racing. There's so much dead money in yeah, the pool yeah. that it, it's worth, you know, playing, playing yeah, deep yeah. and playing. You know, this is a situation where the wise guys are thinking ahead, can. Now, I'm not saying this is a case, but don't sure, be surprised sure. come game day if you see a buyback, and that doesn't mean Vandy's the smart side. It it means means that's where the value the is now. Exactly. And they have a chance at a middle. And With no risk. Exactly. And it's a good number because, I mean, let's tell it like it is. This game shouldn't be a, a two-point. Not Vandy shouldn't only be two over Murray State. So, I mean, I could see them saying it's like anything else. You know, at, at $0.10, cents, it might be worth, you know, Team A. But but at $0.15, cents, you have no choice but yeah. to support Team B. Now, when I look at games, you know, in the NCAA tournament, when you've got one of these type of teams, like a Murray State, that most people, well, they probably don't even know where Murray exactly. State's at. Exactly. You know? It's a situation. Now, okay, now what do we do? We look at. And they're going to look the average better that's not, you know, following sharp money or this or that. They're going to look and say, okay, we got a mid-major conference that they probably don't even know the name of the exactly. conference they're out of. Playing an SEC and the lines in the territory of just pick the winner. When yeah. you're when you're three points or less, you're you exactly. know, you're almost exactly. picking the winner, and they're going to look to that 
you know, that SEC team, when I handicap and you don't have, uh, you know, Murray State, what do you use as a barometer? Well, the only thing you can use as a barometer for me in the tournaments are two things. You look back to December and see if they played, who they played out of conference. Nobody. They had, okay. uh, they had one game. hundreds right. in they played non-conference one, one game out of conference, noteworthy, and that was California. It was the first game of the season. Yeah, exactly. So you can't even take real stock in it because California... You know, you don't know, you know, the chemistry. Uh, look how far they come. Yeah. Right. California was minus 13 and a half and only win by five. So if you want to take something away from that, you can say, hey, well, they did play one big school. And, they played and they well. They covered the number. So that's it. But then you look at what did they do on the road this year? Because that's what they're going to be playing here. It, it's not a true road game because it's a road game for the correct, other team, correct. too. But they're not in their friendly confines. This team was 30-4, and four, I believe. Overall, uh, yeah. Overall. First team to get the 30. All four really? losses were on the road. Yeah. They were undefeated at home. All four losses came on the road. So... That's where in conference. Yeah. That's where they're one, you know, week well, other than the California right, game, right. you know. So it's a situation that you know, what do you do? I if you put the gun to my head, I lean to Murray State, but I'm not going to make an official play on this game because I'm like you. The value has evaporated. Yes. Yeah. I'm, you know? I'm telling you, I lean Murray State too, Marco, and this is one of the games we covered um, with Chad Millman from ESPN, and I said the value's gone now, and I lean Murray State. My questions with Murray State were, this team's been off since March 6th. So that's going to be 12 days in between. Uh, that could play a, a factor, the layoff. Um and the reason I was worried about the Vandy side was this is a team that had gone to five straight tournaments under Coach Stalling, and last year they didn't get in. Um, so now all of a sudden was getting back to the tournament the major goal. Did they accomplish that? But because they're a big SEC school, I don't think so. I think they're here to advance. Yeah. Um, they're not just happy getting in. I think we could, you know come to that conclusion so I, th- I think their main goal isn't accomplished yet this is a team that thinks it could make a run in the tournament they had a tough schedule and what I like about this team is that they get to the free throw line and I think if you put Murray State in trouble there it could be a long night for them it could be a lot tougher game than many people think Mur- Vandy plays quick and if they dictate the tempo Murray State's going to have some problems. Uh, absolutely. Now, the one thing with Murray State, if Vandy can get to the free throw line, that's going to mean they're they're either getting penetration drives or they're they're getting the ball dumped down inside. This Murray State team is one of the best defensive teams yeah, in the yeah. country. This blew my mind. The last thirteen games of the season, eight of thirteen, they held their opponent to. 37% from the floor or less. 8 of 13. Yeah. Only one team out of the 13 shot over 50% against this team. They put you on lockdown. Yeah, they do. But here's the only thing I believe that Vandy has an advantage. They're going to have such a size advantage that they will be able to get the ball inside. Vandy's one of the top 15 tallest teams in the country. And that's the only weakness. Murray State has such a great defense, but I think it's more of a perimeter defense. And I think if you could get the ball inside, which Vandy's that's definitely going to have to be their game plan, I think they could have some success. So I think that's going to be the main 
you, you, you hit it perfectly. That's the main thing is can Murray State play the kind of defense they did all year? Mm-hmm. To do that, they're going to have to play against some big guys. And I need to do a little more work and see how many big teams did they go up against and did they play that lockdown defense against. So there's a, the good thing is it's only Tuesday. And there's still a lot of days to get a lot more work done, you know, now that we know the matchups. Right. Got to wrap this one up. We both have leaners to Murray State, yeah. but we both agree we think the value's gone there. So Murray State or nothing but just a lean. Uh, remember, we're going to be back with another big game preview. Uh, and you can always watch all of our videos at pregame.tv. And if you want to download and listen, go to iTunes, search for pregame.com. You'll be able to find all of our podcasts, download, listen at your convenience. He's Vegas Runner. I'm Marco D'Angelo. We'll be back with another big game preview. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. This is segment five of six, big game preview. We're going to take a look at Thursday, Old Dominion versus Notre Dame. NCAA tournament action. I'm Marco D'Angelo. I'm joined by Vegas Runner, my weekly partner in crime. We're going to break down four games for you for the NCAA tournaments, and let's get things started right off the let's bat. Get to it, baby. Big There's game. A lot, a lot of the madness is in the room, so let's get right, right to it. We're well, uh, well, in Notre Dame. This one's in New Orleans. And uh, line open Notre Dame two and a half. Um, they finally had the balls to put out a, a, a total better late than never sometime last <laughs> night. Um, one twenty three. Uh, right now we're looking at the line Notre Dame two and the total one twenty two. A little bit of movement to the dog. Nothing significant early on. Well, taking a look at this game, um, obviously you know when I saw this game. You know, looked at the seedings, looked at the teams, looked at the conferences, and I'll take, uh, we won't get into a trap game argument, but uh, <laughs> taking a, a page out of my, you know, my trap blog uh, that I do daily, and you can check that out at uh, pregame forums. Um, this is a game, Notre Dame minus two, immediately, this smells fishy to me. You've got, first of all, Notre Dame is one of those built in marquee. Yeah, they have a following in in, in football and in whatever basketball. sport it yeah. is, you know, you know they're saying their prayers and they're betting Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this is a team that when I saw this number and looked, Big East versus Colonial Conference. It's Notre Dame had a nice run in the Big East tournament, came up short against West Virginia, uh, a game that pains me very well. Uh, West Virginia, you know, had them the whole game, but uh, last uh, four minutes of the game, Notre Dame was able to claw their way back and end up making it a two-point game. Uh, I just, just looks easy. I mean, Notre Dame was the darling in the late season. They won six in a row prior to losing by two to uh, West Virginia in the semifinals, they literally won their way into the tournament. This was a classic bubble team that was on the bubble for the final two weeks of the regular season. They had to do what they did. They had to win out and win a couple games in the Big East tournament, and boom, here they are now in the big dance. And they got momentum, and everybody, you know, everybody's in love with them. 
I just think this line looks looks low, and it's like they're inviting you to take uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, that that you you put it perfectly. Notre Dame was one of those teams that when their star player got injured, uh, everybody said they're done. Coming into the season, there was high expectations um, because you know that Jackson and Heron Gotti didn't go pro. Um, they returned with a purpose, and, and the reason these guys returned were this. They had gone their freshman and sophomore years. They got to the invite. You know, they got an invite to the tournament. Then last year's juniors, they went to the NIT. So they felt there was still business to take care of. And that's the reason these guys came back. Okay. So now Mike's thinking, did they reach their season goal? Just getting back to the tournament, Mm -hmm. even though they're a big name club. But more importantly, they had the momentum. But I think losing to West Virginia kind of took everything out of them. I mean, their coach, you know, Bray even admitted that against West Virginia, this team was physically and mentally drained. Like you said, they had won six of seven. You know, they won six straight until they lost to West Virginia. They covered eight straight games. So, I mean, this was a team that had to exert so much energy to get to where they are. On the flip side, Old Dominion, Let's not forget, this team won a tournament last year. Might have been the CIT, but the bottom line is they played tournament basketball and they ended up winning the championship. So this is an experienced club. And what I really like about this matchup is that you don't have a contrast in tempo. If Notre Dame thinks they could slow it down, they ain't seen nothing yet. Because you, you looking at my notes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we, we, we look at things the same way, man. I mean, and, and I love that Coach Taylor. Everyone says he's such a bore, you know, but because he does the same thing every game. But he does it so well, and it's simple. Stifling defense. Playing man, mixing man to man with a hundred different zones that no one can figure out. Pound the glass, protect the ball, score just enough to win the game. Well, here's what happened in the Big East tournament: Notre Dame was able to take Pitt and West Virginia, who would prefer playing an up-tempo game, and they took them to a crawl. They that's what, yeah, they exactly. Control, they controlled them and they frustrated Pitt because now, they have, dictated the tempo because they were able to do it to Pitt. Because they're so much more mature than Pitt. As far as key players, Ken Pomeroy has Notre Dame ranked as the third most experienced team in college basketball. Unlike Pitt, who's a young team. So Notre Dame knew how to be able to dictate tempo. Here, Old Dominion's going to sit back and say, this you're moving too t- fast. This is Let's our, slow this, it down this, a little more. This is know? their tempo, and, and that's a huge advantage. Uh, I came close. Neither one of us have a free pick on this particular ball game, but uh, I think we're going to be in agreement. We both lean to the old Dom side. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I like Old Dominion here, Marco. I would be surprised if, if I'm not even going to – I tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will probably be one of my main plays mm-hmm. come that day. I, I love what I saw from the way Old Dominion won that conference tournament when they had needed overtime against Virginia Commonwealth and then they came back and they beat William and Mary the next day that shows me this team you know they have some tournament experience like I said they cut them down last year in the CIT Old Dominion baby I'm waiting for one thing and the only reason I'm not it's probably you haven't made it official yet I haven't made it official and there's one thing that's holding me back and I'll make that decision Thursday I want to see what they I want to get some reports some press uh, releases and stuff from 
on site how this team looks in practice because I'll tell you what, the only concern I have with Old Dominion is they have not played since March 8th. Yeah, the layoff factor is huge. You're absolutely right. They won the conference, but the Colonial Conference plays the week yeah, before yeah, everybody else. Exactly, and so, that's a major factor. You know, it, It's an advantage over Notre Dame because Notre Dame got beat up in, in You're going to get in beat up East. in the Big East tournament every year they say that. The, the conference schedule, you get beat up. But then when you have to play and four get games, to the championship game, four games, you really four got beat up. And the thing is, Notre Dame's not a deep team at all. They don't go 12 deep. They keep it to five, six, seven guys. That's it. So these bodies aren't rested. I mean, there's only a couple days they've been able to rest. They have to practice. Yeah. They already have know who they're playing, so they're going to game plan. I, I think Old Dominion's in a good spot, but you're right. The key is, there's a fine are line they not rusty? Yeah. Rest and Can rust. Where, where is them? Them? Yeah, yeah. I, so you're that's, right. the that's only, a good point. That's the only thing I'm waiting on. I want, I want to see some... And that's the beauty of the internet. that you Information at your fingertips. Right. You can go. You can actually go to school. You know, a lot of schools have you know live bloggers, dude. Yeah, and just get a feel of what's going on. You know, did the team look crisp in practice? Blah blah blah. They'll have their walk through the day before. All of that stuff. I mean, it's not. We're not flipping coins here, guys. I mean, we look at everything. Everything, we're, absolutely, we're really baby. Uh, this has the making uh, of a, a very play. very good yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. We'll make agree. a final decision Thursday, but you know, we'll wrap this one up here. It's going to make it official. He's got Vegas Runners got an opinion on Notre Dame. Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Sorry. Old Dominion. I've got an opinion on Old Dominion. Not our official free pick. Catches game day. Now, you can watch all of our videos at pregame.tv, but we've got a new feature that if you go there and comment in the comment section after you watch the video, you can actually predict the final score. And if you predict the final score of this game correctly, we're going to give you $100 in pregame dollars. You can use it to buy anything you want at the site. Oh, go ahead nope. so I can see no, what see. they think. Please no, don't <laughs> guess. I always look. Don't think. I go and I look and see what you guys predict. I'll even give you a hint here. Old Dominion's going to win the game. It should go over. I have it predicted around 130, 133 points. So you already got two pieces of the puzzle. Put it together. <laughs> Let Put me know together. what you think. Vegas Runner, the puzzle maker. All right. Hey, he's Vegas Runner. I'm Marco D'Angelo. This was our fifth segment, five of six. Uh, we'll be back with uh, another uh, big game preview. Welcome to Pregame.com special 2010 March Madness Bracket rules you should not break. These are proven rules over 25 years that if you go against them, you're making a mistake. Now, what we're going to do is kind of fun and interesting. We're going to go over these rules. In fact, they, these babies have gotten a lot of play in the media. In fact, just yesterday, Colin Coward quoted from them and a lot of other big outfits, USA Today, etc., now we've got Marco D'Angelo joining us, who is an old-school handicapper. Let's just say Math and him are not the best friends, other than him figuring out his tip. And uh, usually it's just 10%, right? So you just move the decimal. Yeah, I think you got this backwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... What Marco did was he filled out his bracket with really no consideration to these rules because he doesn't like rules. So I'm going to run them down so you know them, tell you the math behind them, and then we're going to see if Marco followed them. All right, so let's start in round one. First off, 
you should have no 16 seed advance. They're zero for 100. That's a no-brainer. Did you have any 16s advance? No. <laughs> okay. Now, 15s are four out of 100. So you could have one, but you really don't want to unless you're in a really big pool. So let's think about this a second, the concept. If me and you were going heads up in a pool, I would be very conservative because I don't need to beat 100 people. I need to beat one person. But the other extreme is, let's say you're in the ESPN win a million dollars. You want to get crazy and probably pick a 15 because the only way you're going to win is having not a perfect bracket, but nearly a perfect bracket. So did you have any 15s advance? No. Okay. Now, 13s and 14s win 18% of the time, so about one out of five. So you're gonna need one or two 13s and 14s advancing. I don't see any 13s or 14s on my brackets advancing. Okay, so that, that that's error number one. And this is a typical classic error from the uninformed bracket guy, like Marco, <laughs> is you need at least two seeds worse than a 12. Just historically, that's been the case. You want to usually stick to 13 and 14s. But think about it. 18% of the time it happens. Out of eight games, it's going to happen some of the time. So quickly looking, um, there's actually two 13s that are only small underdogs, and uh, one of them is Murray State is a 13, is only a three-point underdog against Vanderbilt, and Siena is only a four-point underdog against Purdue. So I would recommend those two if you're looking for two uh, 13s or 14s. Now moving on, you should not be shy about picking underdogs seeded 9 through 12. In fact, you always hear about the 12s. Uh, 12s have been 16 out of 36 in the last nine years. So how many 12s do you have? Uh, I have UTEP a 12 uh, advancing. I have Utah State a 12 advancing. And I have Cornell a 12 advancing. So you've actually gone crazy with the 12s. Okay, so that's good. So you're a little shy on dogs with 13 and 14, but you're doing good with the 12s. Now, what's interesting is the nine seeds, just to speak on the 12s a second, there's been at least one 19 of 21 years. So you at least want one or maybe two. Now, the nine seeds have won over half the time, 54%. So how are you doing on eight and nine? How many nines how many I have uh, number nine, Northern Iowa. I have uh, that looks like the only the only nine that I have. Okay, which isn't horrible. But here's the thing: remember, you're competing against other people. So a lot of people that are uninitiated are playing the eights over the nines just because they're a higher seed. So the reality is, if you can play. A nine that's at least got a 50% chance of winning, but then gain because when you win, a lot of other people are losing. You want to err towards the nines unless you have a real reason to go with the eights. Now, moving on to round two. 88% of number one seeds advance through the first two rounds. So you really have to have a reason to have a number one lose before the Sweet 16. Do you have all the Sweet 16 number ones? Yes, I do. All right, so I, I accept that. Now, if you do have a number 12 or 10 seed advance in round one, you want to give at least half of them an advancement into the Sweet 16 because they win about half the time. The 12s and the 10s in round two win about half the time. And specifically, and here's the rule we'll check against, 23 of 25 years, there's been a double-digit team in the Sweet 16. 
So how many double digits do you have in the Sweet 16? I have UTEP advancing in, and I have Utah State advancing in, and I have Old Dominion. So you have three. So that, that, that is certainly enough, and that's awesome. Okay. Now, one other thing. Only once in 25 years has all the top three seeds, one, two, and three, made the Sweet 16 in all four Bra- you know, all four quadrants. So do you have any upsets in one, two, and three? In one, two, and three, yes. I have uh, Villanova getting beat by Old Dominion. All right, so you've got that covered. So, so far, he was a little conservative on 13 and 14, but really sticking to the rules. Uh, probably a few, he needed another eight, maybe, to get beat by a nine. Okay, and the one eight you had losing was UNLV? That is correct. Okay, all right. Now, seeds worse than number 12 do not win in the second round. Of 400 final 16 or sweet 16 teams, only six have been worse than a 12. So do you have any 13s? Or, well, you didn't have any 13s win round one. So you don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. Okay, let's move on to the sweet 16. You want to advance exactly three number ones to the elite eight. 73% of them make it to the Elite Eight. How are you looking there? The Elite Eight, I have three number one seeds. I have. Uh, did you read my blog post? No, I did not. So who sir. was the number one and didn't make it? Kentucky. Okay, interesting. Now, advance no team worse than a number 11 into the Elite Eight. So uh, only 23 teams worse than an 11 have made the Sweet 16, but only one has ever advanced into the Elite Eight. So literally, it can't 11 or better in the Elite Eight. There's only been one out of 200. So anyone worse than 11 in your Elite Eight? No, I have one 11 in the Elite Eight. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine, though. Okay, now into the Elite Eight itself, or past the Elite Eight, excuse me. Advance only one or two number ones to the Final Four. Only one or two. 20 of the 25 years, there's been one or two. So you don't want zero, you don't want three, you don't want four. What's your number? Two. All right, so you're right on. 20 out of 25. That's awesome. Okay, advance. No team worse than a number eight in the final four. Only two out of 100 have been worse than a number eight. We're okay there. Okay, wow. Okay, now, advance no team worse than a six into the championship game. Not a single one has made it in 24 years. We're okay. And lastly, you want a four-seater better to win it all. That's been the case for 21 straight years. We're okay. And who's your national champion? Syracuse. Wow. Now, actually, Syracuse is laying the lowest number in the first round. So, in a way, and they were the fourth number one. That's interesting. I have them playing Duke, if you wonder who they're playing. Oh, there you go. So, who's Kansas? Who's beating Kansas? Uh, Ohio State. Wow. All right, Kansas is the number, overall number one seed in the favor. you got a high state. I just was looking. High state's at 20-1 to 1 right now to win it, which actually, considering they were the fifth or sixth best team, is a pretty good number, I think. I think that goes to Big Ten, you know, disrespect. Big Ten never really gets respect in a tournament. All right, well, listen, this was fun. This happens once a year. You've got math behind this stuff, and there's no reason to buck the math. And, Marco, you get a lead. I say an A- minus for your following the rules. Well, I'll 
I'll sleep better tonight now. <laughs> All right, guys, this is fun. Now, remember, uh, Marco and Vegas Ron are going to be talking a lot of March Madness stuff. You can get all of our videos at pregame.tv, or if you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com.